0: I'm Lucy Barkas and this is the X Podcast, focusing on the future of work. In my book, Leader X, I share my five mys methodology, a way to lead organization and teams. My legacy is all about what you want to create, the impact you want to have on your people, your customers, and, and ultimately the world around you. It's all about your purpose. It's the opportunity to dream, to vision, to strategize. But how do you do this when everything is so unpredictable and fast changing? In this series, I welcome futurists, people who hang out in possibilities of the future of work. I ask them about what's coming up. The goal is to inspire you, to challenge you and to help you think bigger about your impact, your legacy. Leaders always start with the end in mind and then strategize, innovate and find ways to make it a reality. The Five Miles Method will help you achieve it. So head to the website to sign up to the 3WH newsletter uh, where those who are serious about leadership now and in the future will get the tools, tips and methods to be the leader they wish they'd always had. And coming up, why is it good to be a rebel leader and what does that really mean? Today's guest is Kelly Swingler heart-centered people leader, speaker, author, global empowerment coach for HR and a psychologist. Now she's got over 20 years experience in HR, L&D and O&D and is currently completing her PhD in organisational change. Now Kelly was appointed as the UK's youngest HR director because she's passionate about creating people-focused workplaces and what I love about her is she been the annual appraisal back in 2009 and hasn't completed one since. Hooray! And she believes that when we burn the handbook, we actually create policies that our people will really love. She's appeared on BBC News, Radio This Morning and Career Nuggets and is featured in a number of HR and business publications. So without further ado, welcome Kelly. So welcome Kelly. I'm so excited to have you here on the show today. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you Lucy. How are you?
0: Yeah, really good. Um, and to be honest, these podcasts have been a real saviour for me because I'm just reaching out and connecting with so many awesome people who are like-minded people. And, and the value that I'm getting from the, the podcasts and listening to, to you guys who have given up your time has been so beneficial and I know it has for the listeners as well. So so really, yeah, really excited to get it underway.
1: Yeah, just, absolutely. Uh,
0: yeah, tell tell me a little bit about yourself. Who is Kelly? And uh, yeah, what are you up to in the world?
1: Who is Kelly? Good question. Uh, we've, we've, we've probably not got that long. So um, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm Kelly. Um, I actually, I've got, I've got two companies. Um, started my second during lockdown. So um, I. Um, founded the Chrysalis Crew back in January 2014 Uh, and really I suppose well both both companies really are absolutely about changing the world of work so the Chrysalis Crew our mission is to change the world of work and we kind of do that one one conversation one person at a time Uh, and then during lockdown I think something that I'd had uh, in the back of my mind for years and never done anything with was then setting up uh, the Kelly Swingler brand. So I also then have Kellyswingler.com, um, and that really exactly the same mission. So it's all about changing the world of work, but much more on a one to one basis with senior HR leaders uh, and senior managers um, behind the work. I suppose uh, I've done oh, for my sins, 22 years in HR. And I uh, suppose outside of that, I am mum to, uh, twin, well, there'll be 20 in December, mum, mum to 20-year-old twin boys, uh, step-mum to two boys, um, and then our gorgeous uh, rescue fur baby, who we thankfully got just before lockdown started. Um, total people geek, um, kind of lifelong learner, love my kind of yoga and breath work and, and all of those sorts of things. So, but I suppose... From a, you know, from from a coaching perspective, from a consultancy perspective, from a life perspective, and even a lot of the, I suppose, the holistic stuff that I do around kind of yoga and breathing and and all of those sorts of things. I think I'm really passionate about the whole. So actually the whole person, the whole organization, the whole team. Um, And I think that ripples through a lot in in all of the stuff that we do. So I think a, a conversation that I had with someone yesterday. So I've always been a generalist. Uh, throughout my entire career I've, I've been a generalist but I think we were we were talking about kind of what makes the expert status and I think we're, we're still categorizing it aren't we in those kind of 10,000 hours uh, so if it is such a thing uh, I think I've kind of got to to expert generalist status uh, through, throughout my career but I think all of that kind of ripples through in in everything that, that we do really so yeah I, I love it. Oh, that's Absolutely. wonderful to hear
0: um, because I myself am a generalist and when you know people look at my I suppose my CV they can see that I've jumped around from here exactly. there and everywhere but actually me as a human me as Lucy my beliefs and values have always been the same so it doesn't matter whether I'm working in the energy industry or working in a data team or working on a leadership um, program it's actually just still me my thoughts my ideas uh, so I don't think there's anything wrong with being a generalist. We need to like celebrate us
1: a little bit more. Absolutely. I think like you said, I think as long as we are, you know, but I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really passionate about, you know, my values and making sure that they show up in everything that I do and, and everything that I say. And I think we've still got this misconception in business, haven't we, that, you know, if you've, if you've not worked in a particular sector before or you haven't worked in a particular role before, actually, you know, we, we don't want to work with you. It's, it's more difficult to kind of get in. But I think if we can look at those core values and look at those transferable skills, I think that would make a massive difference for all of us. So I am proud to be proud, proud to be a generalist um, and, and being able to take that, take all of that into everything that I do, really.
0: Well, really interestingly, I was talking on a previous podcast about a uh, book that I I came across it as part of um, being on the Business Book Awards earlier this year. Um, but it's by a well-known author, Matthew Syed. It's called Rebel Ideas. Yes. And his you know uh, his point of view is that if you just keep having experts working on the same problem, you're going to keep getting the same answer. So instead, let's be... A rebel and go and get lots of different ideas from people who've worked in different industries or completely different uh, career paths and actually that spark or that idea can turn into something really fundamental and Absolutely. it's just really interesting because in your bio you also are attracted to the word rebel yeah. and wide and um, that's my language I love that yeah. so, Tell me a little bit about why those words, what what drives those words into your bio and how does it influence the work that you do?
1: Yeah, I suppose firstly I think Matthew Said's book is probably that one. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of in terms of the rebel stuff. But yeah, I think I, I, I suppose it wasn't necessarily a word that I I kind of chose. I think it was probably one that I was given actually right the way through through school and, and even from my parents. I think it was, And that wasn't necessarily, you know, kind of being rebellious for the sake of being rebellious or, or trying to argue. But I think uh, right the way through my life, I think I have – I don't do particularly well with the superficial stuff. So, actually, if we're working at kind of this this level, that doesn't necessarily cut it for me. Like, I want to understand what's at the core. I want to really get to, to the bottom of things. And so I think from, you know, teachers and parents, it was, you know, Kelly's being a rebel again, Kelly's being rebellious again. And it, and it wasn't. I just – had this you know this kind of gut feel this real kind of internal drive to really get to the bottom of things and I think then as I started my HR career um that word continued to follow me you know my 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 chief execs my HRDs you know as as I was kind of starting up would would see me would talk about me as the rebel in the team that was always you know always challenging or always looking at, at different ways of doing things and I think I, I actually um, was was super proud a couple of weeks ago. I got the opportunity to actually interview Patty McCord and like her her first opener or, you know, I'm just anybody that can put Rebel and HR in the same sentence, like I'm super excited to be speaking to. And I think Rebel is coming up much more in the HR space. I think we're talking about it much more from a leadership space. But, you know, I, I, I suppose for me it's it is just me you know i want to challenge i want to get to the core and if if that has received the label of rebel uh then again i'm you know i'm I'm totally up for that and you know if, if that is about change and thinking and doing things differently and all of those sorts of things then i'm super proud to do that um and i think from the tribe perspective Uh, That probably came up for me just before I'd started the business. So I was actually at a a women's women in leadership development program with with my then coach Um, and what she would do throughout her leadership workshops was put put women into tribes within the within the workshop so we could we could kind of start to start to really kind of grow as grow as a group and so that carried on and I'm still in contact with my tribe that I'm you know that I met from from one of those very first programs. But I also then from a culture perspective um, was trained and, and developed and, and can now kind of facilitate the tribal leadership model from a from a culture change perspective. And when you look at it from that perspective The the tribal leadership really from from culture focuses on three things and says that culture is is literally language, relationships and behaviours. So, again, I think when we break it down into those three categories, it's really simple. And if we look at tribes within organisations and, again, the language, relationships and behaviours that we are all working within, we do create, you know, kind of tribes within tribes. So I think, again, that's, that's something that probably, and again, maybe that had always been there, but I think more specifically for me from about 2013. So, yeah, so that's, that has continued in everything, uh, again, everything that, that we do, everything that I do. I,
0: I remember um, hearing about one company, it was uh, somebody had passed on the story to me, so I, I don't know which company it was, but what they actually did within their organization was to create tribes Mm -hmm. and but they did it almost like the old house point system that you would have at school but not from a you know let's compete against one another but let's create these these tribes so on day one you might be put into uh, let's say Gryffindor or Hufflepuff or whatever um, and you will have somebody from a completely different part of the business but part of that tribe and yeah. they will come and support you and they'll take you for lunch and they'll show you around. And then, you know, they will do um, forums together because it's a cross section of different hierarchies yeah. and different departments. And, and people started not only just taking pride in, well, a sense of wider belonging, wow. but actually they felt this unity, but it wasn't just their team and their function. It was to their tribe across the, the organization. And I really love that approach.
1: Yeah. And I think I think again, just the word tribe. So you know what you what you've just kind of said there is is really what we would see in kind of agile teams, agile project teams, uh, matrix management, and those sorts of things across organisations. But and, and sometimes it can work brilliantly. But I think sometimes just the word tribe gives you that feeling and that sense of belonging. I am part of this tribe, and I think when we look at you know, tribes historically um, and how they all come together and, you know, how tribes and, you know, within villages and and how all of those things grow. There is that sense of we are all in it together. There is that sense of we're all here to look after each other and coach and nurture and develop and, and all of those sorts of things. And I think sometimes by using the word team, it's a group, you know, it's a group of people. And so unless we really put the work in to create that kind of tribal mix in a team perspective, we don't always gel in teams in the same way that we do if we call it a tribe and it's you know it's a ch- it's just a you know it's a word but again coming back to language relationships behaviors it can be a very powerful word that can make a massive difference right right the way across organizations so yeah the, the more people that can uh, maybe put tribes across their organizations again maybe the, the better the change that we, we will start to see and what's been really interesting
0: for me looking at different organizations throughout this pandemic is that the the ones that weren't thinking of unity and belonging and people that uh, treating their people like assets and, and as humans? Well, their employees actually just felt kind of isolated and alone, even in the office. Yeah. So then you take that into lockdown, and this isolation became even worse. But those who'd got a really strong culture of caring and looking out for each other and having these informal chats that instead of like the big formal one-to-ones yeah. that have got once in a blue moon. Um, they've really thrived and actually they've had so much fun and connection and, and a sense of knowing each other on a deeper personal level because of the the remote working Absolutely. Um, and I just wondered whether you could talk to that and perhaps think about how that might evolve in the future
1: yeah so I, I think a, a big focus for us as I say kind of you know changing the world of work really is is it but I think what sits underneath that or what's, you know, what overarches that is absolutely about putting people first. And so, you know, the kind of people first initiative, thought process, all of those sorts of things is, is, is absolutely fundamental to everything that we do. And I've been saying for a very long time that the organisations that put their people first will be the ones that thrive and and I think that's what you're, you know, that's what you're seeing. That's what I'm seeing. That's what lots of us are seeing. The organisations that recognise that people, the humans that go into work every day, are the people that are driving the changes, are the people with the ideas, are the people that are delivering the outcomes and really, you know, taking the, taking the organisation from, from one level to the next. That's where we really start to see the magic. And I think where we again, we've, it's reverted back now, hasn't it? But I think as we started to see that lockdown was easing and lots of organisations then wanted to be pushing their people back into the workplace, I think they are the organisations that have been focusing first and foremost on the profit, on the performance and on the processes, and people as a kind of second to that. Um, and that yet those that, as you said, those that have built those relationships, those that have got a great sense of community those have that got a really great culture in my mind they're the ones that have been putting their people first and throughout then you know lockdown prior to lockdown and and I think you know beyond as as we go into kind of you know next year the it, it will stay the same the organizations that focus on putting their people first will be the ones that thrive and that's not to say that of course, it's going to be a difficult market. We've, we've seen, you know, company closures. We've, there will be mass more redundancies, I think. And, you know, we'll obviously see what, what announcements are over the next few days. But I think we're going to see a lot more job losses. We're going to see a lot more business closures. And unfortunately, you know, I think that's that's inevitable with, with what it is that the whole world is going through at the moment. But I still believe that the organisations that are putting their people first even if they have to close they are the ones that are supporting their people through the transition and through the exit they are the ones that are offering support and training and you know offering help with cv reviews or coaching or mentoring or or any of those sorts of things so you know if, if any of those organizations open up again or if they're able to start recruiting again i'm sure lots of those people would then want to go back into those into into those organisations to um you know, you know because they have felt that, that sense of belonging and, and that sense of community. So well, I guess
0: they'll be going back willingly rather than feeling yes. like they have to and it's a yeah, kind of
1: policy. Yeah. And but again I think you know I think where they're putting people first, you know I've I've seen some amazing examples over the last few months and even more so over the last few weeks with you know people that are giving allowances for people to set up their home offices. Um, people that are giving allowances for people to go into co-working spaces, people that are giving, you know, coffee allowances for people to go and work at coffee shops if, you know, if, if they need to break outside of the house. And, and again, I think for a lot of people that's going over, you know, in effect, what we would class as over and above, but what they're doing is they are putting their people at the heart of it saying, what is it that you need? How can we help you? How can we support you and how do we make that happen? Whereas on the flip side, you've got, you know, I know, Either that one, one particular global organisation, there is still some of their team that are working from spare rooms with ironing boards as their desk set up and the organisation is just sending them details of you should think about buying this and you should think about buying that and, and some people do not have the financial means to be able to do so. Um, but again, they're focused more on their profits yeah. and therefore expecting their people to set up their home office function and, and I, for me, I just think that's completely backwards because with those organisations they will be the ones that people want to leave as as to, go to organizations that put people first. So, yeah.
0: Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and head over to the website, www.3wh.uk.com. That's the number three and the letters W and H. And there you can subscribe to the newsletter. You can also take the Leader X quiz and test how Leader X you really are. And coming up next week, we chat to Elizabeth Letardo, who explains why in the future the art of mobile sales is the key to success. It's one of those interesting things that uh, when you look at how uh, businesses of the past and some still today, but you know, I, I like to think of them as. Um, past focused they saw people um or the people that they hire as uh, a fixed cost yeah. or they saw it as an expense and you know yeah. even we still use the word uh, signing off your expenses um because it's seen as a negative cost yeah, yeah. whereas those who see people as an asset they're really noticing and appreciating the value that they add. So if we invest in this asset, then we're going to get more out the other side. And I see more um, leaders stepping up who put, who really do believe that people are the greatest asset. And I think before that was just an HR terminology, whereas now we're we're starting to adopt it. And my prediction is that people focused organizations that also use technology and have the the freedom mindset of working anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Put those three things together, the freedom, the technology and the people first. They're the ones that are really going to survive. And underlining that, I guess, it's having a strong purpose that really unites and and creates that tribalism, I guess.
1: Absolutely. And I think you've used a really key word there. And I think that is investment. When we invest in people, um, we start to see change. I think, you know, we again, we've seen it over the last few months. A lot of the first redundancies that were being made were in L&D functions, they've been in HR functions, um, because again, we see it as a cost, we don't see it as an investment for the future of the business, for the future of the people, you know, for, for our growth and, and all of those sorts of things. And again, I totally get that within this climate, we need to be looking at cost savings. But I still think we, we mistake a lot of the people's stuff as cost instead of investment. And again, I think where you are putting your people first, it's an investment, it's not a cost.
0: Yeah, brilliant. So tell me a little bit about what are you doing right now to support your clients and, and leaders so that they are better prepared for the future?
1: I think we are carrying on really doing, doing what we're doing. I, I, I think, you know, that, that has stayed very strong for us. I think getting leaders, getting HR professionals, we've been doing some work with managers and, and then varying different employee groups um, across different organisations. And that is about this people first. Um, so in effect, you know, doing away with a lot of these unnecessary policies and processes. And, and, yeah, and speaking to people. Uh, you know, I think I've seen lots of you know, lots of people have been coming out of the woods, but you know, we, we need to have uh, more robust performance management processes because people are now working from home. It's like, no, you don't. You know, from 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 me personally, um, like I I binned annual performance appraisals back in two thousand and eight, and I have absolutely never looked back. Um, we do a lot. You know, one of one of my kind of most requested keynotes is around burn the handbook. Um, we do not need all of these unnecessary processes and procedures. So I think really it is getting organisations to look at how they can put their people first. It's looking at how they communicate with people. It's looking at how they engage with people. Um, Some of it is looking at structures. Some of it is looking at working practices. Um, But again, I think, you know, and coming back to to my my point about kind of the whole person and, and the whole business a lot of or the the starting point really for what we do is looking at that why it's looking at that core focus so in the one-to-one work it is helping the leaders understand who they are at the core because again when we have a better understanding of who we are we can then better lead we can better engage motivate inspire manage all all of those sorts of things from an organization perspective it's looking at what's really important to you what sits at the core of your business and then through having leaders that understand themselves, how can you ensure that that filters out across the organisation? So it starts with that core when it goes out and that can be... You know, and that can, I suppose, manifest in a number of different ways that could be working with them on projects that could be management and leadership development programs that could be, you know, group group or or individual coaching, but all with that emphasis of putting people first and changing the world of work, but recognizing that 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 starts with us. So uh, that has continued for us. Um, I think, thankfully, we have always worked uh, fairly remotely. Uh, we, We do very little kind of on site work with people. Um, other than I suppose some of the workshops and some of the initial meetings so uh, thankfully and, and Touchwood I'm extremely grateful that we've not had as much of a shift as, as some other organizations have and I'm incredibly grateful that you know well, we're now 6 7 months in into into what we've been going through with with this pandemic you know we're still going we're still working with people um inquiries are, are still increasing so you know i suppose thankfully the, the message that we're putting out there is is being well received and more organizations i think are more open to thinking we now have to be doing things differently can you can, you know can you help us do it
0: and i think there's an, another trend that i've um seen over recent years and i think it's going to get even more important is using subject matter experts from outside of the business to come in and work on a short project yeah. whether it's training or doing some kind of design work or whatever any kind of consultancy but they come in you you get the the right people for that short project and then You move on. And you know, you and I have been working in that field for for quite a long time. Um, but if you can't afford to have a an in-house L and D team or a marketing team, then oh my, you can get some of the most experienced people from anywhere around the world, in fact, and and come and work for your business. And it without the overheads, but just tapping into their value. So that really excites me that there are people like you and I and countless others out there ready and poised to to bring our experience. Um, But that really excites me. So it's kind of like getting away from the old, well, we've got to have everybody on payroll and we have to micromanage everybody to more flexible, agile, bringing the the subject matter experts in at the right time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, I'm I'm super, you know, I'm I'm excited by that. I've been excited by that for for many years. Um, And again, I think as we start to come out of this, I think we will start to see a lot more of that as well. I think, again, from... And I suppose this is a, this is a call out to all of the all of the subject matter experts, but also those within business. You know, when I was an internal HRD, uh, we were using lots of people from outside. We were we were using you know some of the some of the big four consultancies. Um, but I think what we need to be careful of, and I think this is where we then think that we can again cut costs quite quickly is sometimes we bring the experts in they do their thing over here somewhere and it hasn't been fully integrated within the yeah. business so as soon as that expert then leaves it's they like all yeah what have we just done what have we just spent all of that money on that was a complete waste of time so we then either bring in another subject matter expert to do it or we just brush it under the carpet and say <laughs> that we don't need it anymore absolutely yeah Absolutely. So I think if we can, and again, I think having been in that position where these consultancies have kind of flown in and, and left you, know, like what you know, what what, ha- what just happened, um, you know, I'm I'm really set that we partner with whoever it is that we are working with. We will leave knowing that we have handed everything over, knowing that we have been in effect working alongside people throughout everything that we've been doing so that they become the experts by the time that we leave and can then take that forwards. Uh, Because otherwise it is, you know, I I don't want to be seen as as having gone in and being a complete waste of time because I've just kind of, you know, landed and then left uh, without kind of feeding that through. So I think the more of us that can ensure that we do that, Um, then I think we start to get much more of a success.
0: do you know what, in my early business formation, which is about to come into the eighth year now, but very early on, I would go in and I would do two day workshops or one day workshop and and present. Um, It was a bit feast and famine. I'd go wherever the work was. And I came away feeling, you know, for for the day I'd feel really pumped up, but then a few days after I'd, I'd feel really unfulfilled and really quite low. Because for me, I wasn't then being able to see the results of that. Um, So now I only work with programs. So whether it's a coaching package or it's a 12 month, you know, development program, because I want to be able to see, you know, everything that's been embedded in after each workshop or whatever development work we do, it's like, so what are you going to do about this? And we do that accountability and the action planning. And then, you know, most of my clients still work with me after that initial year because they understand, well, they know that I know their business then. And so I love the way that you said the word partnering. And the other observation, I wanted to come back to something you said earlier, was a, about that self-awareness and self-development. And it's really interesting for me because there's a lot of the, I don't like to classify people, but some of the old school style leaders that I, I, I meet they seem to know more about their favorite football team or rugby team than they do about themselves. Yeah. Yet, as we start getting some of the younger, um, and when I say younger, I'm talking maybe 45 and, and younger, um, coming through into those leadership positions, they're actually naturally got more emotional intelligence, more reflective practices. Um, they're quite happy to listen to podcasts or mindfulness, they, they're readers, but they just seem to have more curiosity about themselves and about other people. And I wonder yeah. whether that's that's something you've seen and what that might look like if we've got all of those leaders in the next 10 years stepping up.
1: Yeah. And I I, I echo that. I think I I have seen the same. I I have worked with some of those chief execs and some of those directors who, you know, know much more about competitors or football teams or, you know, kind of outside or other people's business. Yeah. Um, And and again, you know, I, I think some of that has been, you know, part of society, part of their upbringing, you know, for for some of the. Um, I suppose more more mature um, senior leaders and leaders that that we have at the moment. You know, if you think about their their upbringings, you know, you didn't talk about emotions, you didn't talk about feelings, you didn't talk about how you know how you know stress really you know wasn't a thing. You know, you you just got on with things. But even
0: talking about you know, for a lot of these people, just saying, "What's your vision?"
1: Yeah. And they, I and, yeah, yeah and again I, th- I think some of that comes from you know kind of where we you know if you think about the schooling if you think about education if you think about work it what it was practical you know you turned up at work at school you wore the same as everybody else you dressed the same as everybody else you spoke the same as everybody else you then got into the workplace and you were you know you were here between the hours of this time and this time and you were just expected to get on with it um, and really, that's what we were paying people for. I think as we then, you know, kind of start to go down the generations, I think we've started to question that a lot more. I think we do still have, and, you know, even even people my age, um, you know, I, I think for a lot of us, we still go through school, really, not having that sense of who we are or what's important to us. We go into the workplace and, you know, throughout school, education, and the workplace we we really kind of have to sign up to the school's vision or the university's vision and the organisationals vision and and the behaviors that are expected in all of those and and i think again you know i think from from a mental wellbeing perspective i think really that's why we see lots of people then starting to burn out or having you know i suppose you know still the term kind of midlife crisis because it is actually who am i like is this really it and then we start to do a lot more of the self-exploration so i think as we're starting to see some of those younger generations i think it is because more of us that have been you know kind of maybe the generation before have started to question and have started like do the stuff that makes you happy don't follow my dream don't do what you think i want for you it, you know again looking at my sons you know my my, my, my son's are 20 at, at, Chris, at christmas they are very very they know who they are they know what's important to them and they know what matters um when I was their age you know it was still you know I was still probably exploring who am I what are my values and whilst they were there I probably wouldn't have been able to articulate them in the same way that my sons can now and so my
0: plan was to obviously have fun and live like an episode out of friends but it was about I need to get a job, I need to yeah. get a mortgage Yeah, and um, it didn't even occur to me that I could actually just play around and stuff or start my own business or be a bit of a rebel at that stage because there was still that conditioning. But yeah, yeah you and I now have um, raised our children, same as the rest of our generation, and raised our children to, you know, think about these really big questions and also as, as we were raised them, we were asking them, how are you feeling today? Yeah. Tell me what was good about school. What didn't yeah. you like? And so they've got this verbal um, dictionary within them, I guess, so they can articulate themselves. So for yeah. me, that's really exciting for the future because it just means that everyone's going to have a lot more emotional capacity. Of course, they're, they've got their other ills to do with social media. Yeah. And that kind yeah. of stuff, but we'll part that for now. But just from a human point of view, these people going into the workplace or forming their own businesses, it's very exciting. It is. Um, but then you hear the other people saying, "Well, they're so entitled." but actually, no, we've given that entitlement. We've, we've taken away all of the stuff that they don't need to worry about, so they can be the fullest expression. but then you need to change your cultures to embrace this brilliance rather than trying to just clone them into what you used to be like.
1: Absolutely. And again, the world around them has changed. You now, I was living on my own at 18. I bought my first house when I was 19. You know, I, I had all of these things that would go, you know, my sons are 20. They're, you know, they're talking about we will probably be here until we're 25. Again, within the workplace... When I started my career, I was absolutely certain that the organisation that I joined, you know, they they give you a, I think it was a a six-month sabbatical after 25 years service. Like, I was planning what I was going to do with my six-month sabbatical (laughs) 25 years down the line. We, you know, the job for life is no longer a job for life. You know, the one constant that we see now is change. And actually, I think the younger generations again, from, you know, kind of whatever age group it is that, that you kind of want to look at, we have, we've grown up with that change. We're used to change. We've become more resilient to it. That has allowed us to, you know, build our emotional intelligence. That has allowed us to look at what's important to us. You know, if you've been, you know, and I know many people have been, you know, they've been made redundant three or four times. Um, they've had to change jobs three or four times. And I think every time that, that people have done that, that's caused them to, you know, to to evaluate what's important. Is it the money, or is it finding a job that I'm happy with? Is it starting my own business, or is it retraining? And and so I think we've seen all of that. So we're, again the, the more people that we, we see within the workplace they've not had that they've not had to be retraining or or relearning different you know learning different technologies or learning different ways of working kind of every year or every two years it was pretty constant for them and so I think we it's very easy to talk about the entitled generation but again I think every generation has become a little bit more entitled Thank because you. of the protection and the learning that we've had from the generations beforehand um it, you know again i think you know we talk now about you know mental well-being stress depression anxiety being that
0: would never have been spoken about no,
1: spoken no. and we talk about it being more prevalent but it was there i think we were just seeing it manifest in different ways i think what we're seeing is we are now talking about it more that is allowing us to then do something with it but i you know i don't think it's any more prevalent than it was you know however many years ago we're just exactly. dealing with it differently and talking about it differently well
0: I'd love to have another conversation and I know that you and I could have probably talked for a lot longer we could we could, because yeah I think we we share a lot of the same experiences and, and thought processes um, so for any of the listeners who want to connect with you uh, where can they when they where can they find you
1: where can they find me? So uh, LinkedIn is usually the best place. Um, so LinkedIn, I'm uh, Kelly Swingler. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I have to say I'm not I'm not particularly great with that. So again, I'm uh, just Kelly Swingler on there. Um, but yeah, if you, uh, obviously the website, so there's kellyswingler.com and then there is the thechrysaliscrew.com. So lots, lots more details on those platforms.
0: Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for your time. And, My pleasure. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we've connected.
1: Yeah, me too. Thanks so much, Lucy. Take care.
0: So that's another episode done. Don't forget to buy the book, Leader X, subscribe to the podcast and sign up to the newsletter at www.3wh.uk.com. That's the number three in the letters W and H. And now it's time for you to step up, take control and lead with impact. Tune in next time for another great guest.
1: Bye. Thank you for listening to the Leader X podcast. The Leader X podcast is a gifted GAB production for
0: 3WH.